and I'm telling you, man, like, you know, I was, I was told I was the worst husband or the worst father on the planet because I, I was still sending my kids to school and because they're walking into a school with a bunch of vaccinated people. And when you take the vaccine, your body sheds more gelons all over everybody. Oh my God, dude. This and is like, she could, she's having like a psychological breakdown. Yeah. And she actually felt as though when she was walking, say through a Walmart or something, she could actually see, she could tell who was vaccinated and who wasn't because. Oh my God. She could actually, when she would go near someone who was vaccinated, her skin burns. Dude, this is some <laughs> unreal yeah, shit. I have no. Hello and welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Casey. I'm Sam. And we are joined today by my good buddy from the great state of Michigan, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Good. How are you guys? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. I've heard a lot about you. Michigander. I wasn't sure uh, your your exact location. Casey probably mentioned it, but yeah. Uh, so you go. This is uh, old friends. Oh, yeah. My whole life, Michigan. <laughs> That's it. So <laughs> this really like completes the 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 quartet of uh, dudes that changed my life because I had Davis on, who's by far the worst of the crew. Uh, yeah. uh, and then I had Ian and Jowl on. We talked about, uh, oh, man, the Bible story with the guy that hides the knife on his on his right hand side and goes into the King's chambers and just like stabs it. <laughs> I forget what, what the character was in that story, but yeah, but the depiction is, um, that would make a good shirt too. It's like he stabs him and his, like the fat, like comes out in engulfs the knife's blade. That's what it's pretty specific about what happens. Yeah. And his, his poop was upon the ground. <laughs> he shit himself when he died. Yep. As we all do. We all do. <laughs> so, okay, when I've I've told my uh, you know, the story of my perspective changing and stuff several times on the podcast. And it all kind of changed when I got out of college. I went back to Michigan, had a hard time making friends, and then answered a Craigslist ad looking for bandmates, basically. And Davis and Mike had a band that they were trying to get back together and stuff. And and that's where I met you guys. And of the like four dudes that I hung out with a ton in Michigan that really changed the way I thought about things. Mike is kind of the one guy that was a Christian out of the bunch, but you're a very different kind of Christian than I had been around before. And I think that for me was, was perspective altering too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, just, uh, hanging out with those guys and stuff, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, like for me, it's always been, you know, when I was growing up, my, uh, my perspective on Christianity was like, well, if I go to church with my grandparents, they take me to the mall and buy me new shoes. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> But yet I knew, I, I knew about it. And I mean, we can get into it more, but like my, uh, 
a fiance that I had before I, I think before I met you really broadened my view of Christianity and brought me way more into it. So, you know, um, but yet at the same time, I don't, it's not something that I've ever wanted to push on anybody. I actually always used to enjoy talking to you because I actually thought that of you as the same as I was with it, you know, where you're like, yeah, I mean, I, at that time I felt like, you know, this, this dude believes the same things that I do. And he also believes that most Christians are straight up full of shit. So, you know, I mean, that just kind of, you know, it just seemed to work, you know, <laughs> you, you caught him at the beginning of yep. on the cusp of that belief, yep. but that was really more about how we thought all people were shit, not just Chris. He just, he was kind of done with the human race at that point in his life. Yeah. And, and yeah. you guys saved that for him. He was like, maybe yeah. there's a few good ones out there. We had a lot of fun. It was a good group. It was fun. Well, before we get into your story, uh, I have a story for you guys. This is a current event story that I thought was interesting enough to talk about on the show. Um, so everybody's kind of familiar with the trope around pastor's kids, right? Yeah, that they suck, that they just kind of pop off and do drugs and... That one? Oh, because that's also yeah. a trope. Okay, making sure there's like, I mean, I feel like, because then you get the ones that are like, I'm going to be a pastor too. And they like follow exactly in their father's footsteps. We're talking the negative trope, the one where they just uh, resent the fact that their father is leading the flock and they act like assholes or like they own the place, all that kind of stuff. They're generally awful is what we're going with. Yeah, it's like a certain percentage of them definitely go the other direction. You know, they don't exactly uh, take up the family business. Right. So there was a pastor's kid in the news over the past couple of weeks here that uh, he's definitely in that group, uh, <laughs> maybe not in the same way as a lot of the others. So this kid's name is uh, Zachary Sheck. OK, Sheck, I think is his name. He's from Lincoln, Nebraska, and he was recently arrested after posing as a high school student at two different Nebraska schools. Um, he's 26 years old and graduated from those same schools in 2015. He so, graduated from both school. What does that mean? At two he, he graduated schools? from that school district. District. So, gotcha. Yeah. So like, you know, nine years ago or whatever it was, eight years ago, he graduated from like the the Lincoln area schools, and for one reason or another, uh, I think a pretty specific reason, he decided to re-enroll himself as Zach Hess. Okay, <laughs> so this wasn't like a one. This we're not. This isn't a one day adventure where you go back and you know pretend to be high school student for a day. He re-enrolled himself and transferred schools over the winter break. He, he attended 54 days of school last year. So this guy's like 26. Yep. Okay. And works. They're, they're claiming that he blended in because he's uh, he's 5'4 and 120 pounds. Uh, yeah. He's I guess you might fit in, in clean. Sh Does he, uh, is there a picture of him? Did you, is there a picture? Yeah, dude. He has the dumbest haircut. <laughs> <laughs> does it just you does can, it look like he cut his own bangs across his forehead? He had like he's got like kind of curly hair and in the picture of the picture of him that was on all the websites, he had like it looked like he'd almost like braided his hair into one braid that hung down his forehead on the side. It was like 
I don't know if he was like trying to co-opt a TikTok trend or something yeah. and just missed. And they were Should like, he obviously is in high school because there isn't one adult in the entire world who would make that choice. That's like, <laughs> dude, that's teenage. Here. Yeah, it's teenage yeah. aggressive brain that would do something like that. That's Every who... single teenager has broccoli hair right now. So, oh yeah, and it poofs. <laughs> yeah, it poofs out to the front. Yeah. It's the TikTok haircut. It's yeah. I just look like Gumby walking around. <laughs> yeah, it's got to bounce when you riz. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No cat, <laughs> no cat for real, for real. Uh, you want to be like a like a, a debonair cocker spaniel. Yeah. <laughs> I and they have you. they just have a dirt lip too, yep. just like the crusty mustache coming in that they are proud of. I and am. You got to wrap the faith with like one cross earring. Yes, dangly cross earring. Maybe wearing like an obey shirt. Yeah, <laughs> a fanny pack, but not around the waist. It's oh, yeah. like slung over the shoulder. the shoulder. That's huge now. Sure. Yeah, I saw this exact thing at Walmart today in El Dorado, which is nobody's on fleek. People, that's not going anymore, is it? No, no, no. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you so, plugged it in for a minute. Uh, you might not have made it fifty-four days if you re-enrolled in high school, but. You definitely would have made it a full like few hours. Yeah, he uh, you got to say something for him. He's a bit of a chameleon. Maybe I, that's what that's... happened with him. He said on fleek, and everyone's like, "He's an imposter." <laughs> You're so <laughs> sus. <laughs> that Steve Buscemi meme he's where sus. he's like, "Hello, fellow kids." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did oh, it say why man. he did this? Well, okay. It doesn't say exactly what he said his reasoning was, but I think we can surmise from uh, some of the details here. Um, in court documents, police said that Shake Sheck sent sexually explicit messages mm -hmm. to a 14-year-old and a 13-year-old yeah. female student and encouraged the 13-year-old to send nude photos of herself and then allegedly paid for the photos. God yeah. damn. That is inappropriate for high school. Uh, I have a 14 year old daughter and I would have a, the, the boyfriend would have a serious problem if I found that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, my 14 year old daughter actually has a, you know, this boyfriend and he came over and he introduced himself and I was like, I'm Mike and I'm the guy that you have to really worry about. <laughs> I was like, I'm the guy you have to worry about if my daughter gets hurt. Yeah. So. It's. Yeah, having kids will skew. Uh, I mean, that changes the way you think about things like that. It is weird though, because I mean, that is. I mean, we were all teenagers at one point, and I was a good Christian boy, so I wasn't sexually active, but I wanted to be, and I like to pretend I could be if I wanted to be, <laughs> or if I made that choice. I don't know that anyone would have slept with me, but who knows? Um, but you feel like, I mean, at that age, you're like, yeah, I can make these choice. I, you, you get to make that choice. Um, and you kind of just like have to accept that that's, uh, true, but yeah. But like I said, I, I remember being that age and like I said, it, at, especially at like 15, 16, you're like, I mean, there is just nothing else that you want to do, you know? So yeah, that's and, just the hard part is like, you know, it's with kids, you know, you're just like, oh man, like how do you not be like the oppressive dickhead dad? Yeah. Yeah. Teach them that like you, that it's just too early, you know, and I can even I'm, tell you from experience, it's too early, you know, like yeah. it just is, you know, you, you think you're ready. Your body says you're ready. You're not, you know? 
Yeah, nah, we have, our world isn't emotionally equipping kids to make the handle those decisions gen, generally uh, well. Um, it's a weird one, man, because my kids are younger, um, so I'll navigate that eventually. But it's gonna. I find that it'll be uh, strange as fuck. I'm not looking forward to navigating those conversations, uh, but. It, part of my it parental duties <laughs> it sneaks up on you hard and, you, uh, you just don't hear, realize it and then all of a sudden one day it's like oh man crap it, you know and they say not talking about it is uh worse than talking about it so i'll uh i'll awkwardly broach that subject eventually just, and, oh my god give them a james kid, dobson book yeah slide it, it, it under their door like my parents did yeah and as a kid your job is to want to <laughs> just and never speak about it in that moment <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Hand off the book and say we will never talk about this again. Yeah, ever. If Ooh, you man. have questions, hold them until you're an adult man. Hopefully, somebody invents a worldwide computer network that you can ask questions about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna hope. Hold in those questions with all of your sexual urges and semen. Yeah. Well, old Zachary here. Uh, <laughs> so he's a. Uh, He's been charged with uh with three different he's he's got three different felony charges against him. Two nice. counts of child enticement with an electronic device and one count of sex trafficking of a minor, which basically just means like you coerce someone you so basically coerce someone with yeah. money, either either acts or items or whatever, you know, pictures, whatever it is. I, they've gotten pretty specific with the the first one you mentioned with an electronic device. They delineate uh, legally between uh, an electronic device and non-electronic means. I wonder if they carry different. Uh, I think it's penalties. okay to send them a letter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with cash. As long as you snail mail it. And, you know, the, the, the post office always asks to, like, check certain boxes. And it's like one of the it's like, is it hazardous material? Is it child pornography? And as long as you check the box, it's you're you're fine. You just don't want to get caught not checking that box because then there's repercussions. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like buying a gun and you have to fill out that form where they're like, are you a felon? Are you an illegal user of marijuana or other addictive substances? <laughs> are you? They cast a pretty tight net. They care about uh, felons can't get guns in Kansas. Uh, nationally, that's a national. Yeah, it, it it affects the. I don't know what the rules are exactly on it, but like, uh, yeah, if you if you've been convicted of like a felony, then I think there's a bunch of extra hoops that you're supposed to jump through. Okay, so it's not. I maybe I just don't know gun laws well. I I feel like people. That's like part of the something that people are would ask for when they talk about better background checks and shit like that is to like weed out the violent offenders or weed out somehow better than they already do. Like, so you can eventually get a gun, even if you've have a criminal record. I think, I think all of that comes down to like private sale. Okay. That's, that's pretty much what that, what that comes down to across the board. Cause anywhere that you buy like if you buy a gun new, from any retailer, you have to fill out that form and get a background check. Gotcha. So anyway, we're getting in the weeds on something that uh, is unrelated to Zachary's story here. Unless it's not, we'll find out if he he's being, he's being held on a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bond. So he's in jail currently. It's um, hard to pay and, that on a pastor's salary. <laughs> yeah, 
Dad's so uh, uh, exactly showing up, I'm sure. His dad, Jeff Sheck, is the pastor of a Lincoln area church. And he just recently, like in the last week, I think his parents have actually like spoke about what's going on, made some general statements. So it says, Sheck's parents said, our prayers have been for anyone and everyone who might have been hurt. We just don't know the full story at this time. Jeff Sheck added that God has not abandoned a sinner like me, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so we will not abandon a sinner like Zach. So it seems like he's kind of holding out reservations that maybe there's a loophole here. That he might yeah. be able to jump through for why it's but, uh, not exactly sin. I would, I would say it's his uh, pastoral duty to step down. If he's uh, going to be a biblical literist about uh, a biblical literalist about his uh, Christianity. I'm not sure where he stands, uh, but he's going to have to wrestle through that wild. Yep, he can't. He didn't keep his family in order, you know. And here's an interesting little like last note. It says the incident is one of several in recent months where an adult was arrested after allegedly posing as a high school student in Massachusetts. A 32 year old woman used fraudulent documents to enroll in three different schools during the previous academic year. A 28-year-old woman enrolled in a Louisiana high school as a ninth grader, a fraud that was also uncovered last month. In that case, the sheriff said she did so in order to learn English. Slightly different circumstances, but... Yeah, more noble ones at that. Hit her with sex crime charges. (laughs) What about the Massachusetts one? Did they say why uh, that person re-enrolled? Uh, no, I, I didn't read into it, but she enrolled in three different schools. There had to be some sort of a fraud thing going on there or something. I would yeah. think maybe she, didn't graduate. she never graduated, but she didn't know what a GED was. So she just figured she had to try and do four years of high school again. She, she was going to do them all at once. Yeah. <laughs> a freshman in one, a sophomore in the other. <laughs> just knock out four years in one. Her transcript is like a phone book. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like super dedicated. Everybody's making fun of her and she's being arrested. And she was really just trying to knock high school out in one year. Yeah. Like every night she's, she's at home, like buried in homework every single night, just struggling. <laughs> Maybe she's just in it for them sweet, sweet boys. Oh, yeah. Or she's into teachers. She's like, I want to fuck a teacher, but I don't want it to be a crime. So, like, I'll just... But I want to get off from the thrill that the teacher thinks they're fucking an underage person. It's a convoluted kink thing. And I, you know... Oh, my God. That's taking it to another level. Yeah. It's like uh, (laughs) like a kinkception. Dude, the thing that I keep laughing about in my head is that he's five four and 120 pounds like can you imagine being a 26 year old man going back into high school like drew barrymore style and then getting bullied <laughs> you, would. <laughs> you definitely would you're not gonna be cool you no. think you're gonna be cool you won't be no. like, he's getting <laughs> stuffed in lockers and talking about <laughs> He's getting stuffed in lockers and called the F word, most certainly. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> oh my God. I'm surprised no one's recreated this scenario, but they went back just to like relive the glory days of sports. They're just a 26 oh, that, year old man dunking on high school kids. That actually did happen. That was a different. <laughs> there was a story about that as well with a. Uh, a young dude that went back to high school just to like play basketball again. And 
I think he got into some trouble, but I don't, I didn't read into it. I don't think that he ended up with like sex crime charges. <laughs> no, just, they charged him with being a total fucking loser. <laughs> he was just in it for the game. Well, I mean, I, I think that that's what Zachary is, right? I mean, he's got to be just a complete incel, like loser that like thought he could just head back and just do high school again. And, and I think that the perception right now too, is that like, boys in high school just have like carte blanche on like whatever they want. So like this guy was probably just thinking like, I'll just go back and relive high school the way I wished it could have been or something. And obviously he was starting off on it, getting, getting uh dirty pictures from 14 year olds. So it's crazy <laughs> to have made. He didn't get many of those back in the day. So that was his primary objective. I do have one detail about him that I was able to find outside of the articles. Did you did you find his Facebook? I found his LinkedIn profile. <laughs> so he sees a, that you looked him yeah. up because you can. It's always like so and so viewed your profile and shit. He's like, he's gonna see that you looked into him. He's he thinks he's gonna get a job offer. Oh man, please message me. He's gonna reach out. <laughs> be hilarious. Do you, are you in need of salespeople? Me. I'm actually really good at selling a false bill of goods. <laughs> And I can oh, fit yeah. into tight spaces. <laughs> so, okay. So his LinkedIn profile says Zachary Sheck, esports tournament organizer manager. Oh, fuck at yeah. Call out esports in Lincoln, Nebraska. His about section says, I am an avid video game influencer. I have been playing various video games my whole life from first person shooters to role playing games to sports to everything in between. I have been able to create a community and a brand through YouTube and streaming, and I feel like I can give valuable information on features games should be open to adding as I am connected with the gaming community through YouTube and Twitter and Twitch. He is very short on punctuation. I am actively participating in closed and open betas for various games and always am able to give well-thought, constructive <laughs> criticism and feedback. And then uh, his only like experience that really had any notes to it was as esports tournament tournament organizer manager for Call Out Esports. It Did you look up Call Out Esports? Because they probably uh, yeah, released a statement that they have no affiliation with him whatsoever. <laughs> I think that he is Call Out Esports. I don't think they do a whole lot. <laughs> it says, have been managing a small online tournament hosting organization. We specialize in hosting online tournaments for various games, but our main focus is Call of Duty and Halo. We have a team of seven people currently that work to cast, host, broadcast, and organize online tournaments. My role is to oversee all operations that are within the company. Okay, do you know, like, Casey, you know I've been doing, like, uh, like I've been uh, painting cars and stuff like that for iRacing for a few years? Yeah. Explain um, what iRacing is. It's it's like a racing simulator for PCs. It's very realistic. Like, the like NASCAR drivers use it for practice and... Um, so there's a lot of guys and there's like this whole thing where, you know, I've always been into like race car paints and stuff. So I got into, um, designing cars for people and getting paid for it and things like that. But I can just, what, what, what makes it funny to me is everything this guy's bragging about that he does is literally something that like everybody who plays games like this, they all do exactly what he says he's doing. <laughs> like it's, it's literally nothing to put on your resume. It's just what everybody does. It's nothing like, 
I mean, you know, like I, I'm like with a couple guys, like we started a, started up a league that like, I, I'm just sponsoring it, you know, just so that like guys in the league will pay me to do their cars and I make a little bit of money and it's fun and you know, whatever. But like, so does that make me like an esports tournament organizer? Yep. You know what I mean? I think, like, it might. I, think I can put that on my resume. I mean, it's literally like what everybody in that community does. If you want to have a tournament, somebody's got to set it up. It doesn't make you some kind of shooter, you know. It's like the guys <laughs> back in the day that used to put on ba- battles of the bands, and they'd give you a hundred tickets, and you have to sell them, you know. And yeah, all that. yeah. and they call themselves. Like, well, I'm a music promoter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the audacity to call themselves a promoter when all they do is outsource promotion. <laughs> right. That's what I mean. Um, I don't know. Like everything you're theme. explaining, I'm like, man, I, I see guys doing this all day, every day. You know, that was like the uh, metal and hardcore kid version of an MLM, though. Yeah. Oh, big time. Man. <laughs> it was. <laughs> How would you like to open for Darkest Hour? <laughs> I would love to. Okay. Well, you just need to sell 40 tickets to a show an hour and a half away in the middle of nowhere, yep. <laughs> which is probably- basically saying you need to pay $600. I was going to say, what you're going to do is you're going to get 40 tickets, you're going to sell three, and you're going to buy the rest yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's it. (laughs) It's like, and then if if you, even if you like sell like 98% of the tickets, if you don't sell them all, they just don't let you play the show. Yeah, no, yeah. (laughs) But they They, keep all the money. (laughs) You show up with 400 bucks or you don't play. That's it. That's awesome. I think we did that. Like, I think we got sucked into that. I don't know if the, I don't think the Beauty Fire ever got sucked into that, Casey. But I, I think a band I was in before that we got sucked into that once. And uh, you have to. It's like puberty. For yeah, <laughs> we did it once, and I remember I ended up buying like twenty tickets, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah I don't think we're doing this again." You know. <laughs> Plan B in Danville, Virginia. That was the spot that was notoriously bad for that oh Plan yeah B. that's a terrible name for a venue it's just called just call <laughs> it the abortion pill the venue yeah and i know a guy that actually tried to pull that whole thing and he was somewhat successful with it for a while you know he he kind of associated up with a, a bar and uh yeah i mean he, he he made like my previous band to these other bands he made them made us sound like we were something huge and we definitely were not and uh he was like, yeah, if you win this battle of bands, you get to open for Magdalene. And it was like, whoa. And everybody was like, really? Like he was acting like, you know, this is some great band that you're obviously not even cool enough to even know who they are yet. You know? <laughs> and man, he made a little bit of money for a while. Did that scheme yeah, they're, end they're, with they're him? big in the DIY metalcore scene. Yeah. It yeah. ended with him having to like put all the money he made towards the new set of teeth when a hardcore kid beat the shit out of him for fucking him over. <laughs> Uh, one of one of those shows, though, we did play with a band called Gas Chambers for Christ. <laughs> oh no my god! Way, dude. And uh, holy shit! Dude, that's, in the, in is it accidentally anti-Semitic? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Jesus, but they were called Gas Chambers for Christ. I will never forget it. And that's they so were fucked up. <laughs> yeah, they were so awful. But like, you know, so this is his show that he's setting up. So we're using like my band's PA for it. And these guys started like knocking um, speakers over and like, you know, they were just being ridiculous. And it ended up in like a big, huge fight. And like, it was like a huge rumble in like this little bar in Hamtramck. It was pretty, it was pretty funny. That's unreal. 
I'm yeah. gonna be stuck on that name for so long. I, I will never forget it. I can't. I I just remember being like you're, and it was. I think if I remember right, it was like two guys. It was like like some weird dude with like long dreads in like a in a base, and it was like all distorted bass and just like oh. just mud, and then a drummer. That oh, sounds and, terrible. And it was just, you know, I mean, it was just like so bad. I mean, so bad. <laughs> it's like a shit. That's like a grind, like a anti-Semitic grindcore name. Yeah, I think that's actually what they were kind of trying to do was grindcore, but like it was just so awful. I mean, you know, like grindcore is not my thing to begin with, but like if you're if you're there watching a band that's good at it, you can at least be like, yeah, they're good at it. You know, they weren't good at it. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it was just mud. It was just mud. Jesus. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, Mike, I've I've heard like a like I think I've heard a lot of your life story in like bits and pieces, and it's a pretty wild story. Um, <laughs> and I'm excited to hear like kind of a, a start to maybe not finish, maybe that's not the right word, but start to present. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up, and uh, you know where. A little about your uh, your childhood and church and those types of things. Well, yeah, I mean, I grew up in, in we call it the thumb of Michigan. You know, it's basically farm country. Yep. Um, it's like, yeah, like right here. On the mitt. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just a little town. You know, I, I think at one point our population was like 260. My graduating class had 38 kids in it. Um it just really small, you know, and you know, that that's actually kind of a cool thing because you know, everybody and, um, you play, you know, a cool thing about these, this, this, these schools is that you, you know, you can play all your, play all the sports and, you know, you just get a chance to kind of do everything. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, my mom and dad worked every day full time. I don't know, man. I had, I had really, really good. I have, I won the parental lottery. I say that all the time. Like my parents were just awesome. But like they were both um, since we're on a sort of a show about, you know, religion at times, they, they were both what they would call themselves Christians, but never went to church. Right. Okay. And we didn't pray at the table. You weren't taught to pray before you go to bed. Nothing like that. Um, and I think a big part of that is that my dad was forced to go when he was a kid. So he just, you know, didn't force that on us. But, you know, he worked hard and. Uh, gave us literally everything we need. I couldn't, I can't appreciate my parents enough, but like, yeah, I mean, just in this little town and, you know, and by the time I got to high school, uh, well, before that, like I said, you know, I think I said it earlier, but like, you know, the only time I did go to church, things like that would be if my parents probably called my grandparents and were like, Mike needs new shoes. Uh, do you want to take them and get them new shoes? And well, they're like, well, we're going to take them to church. And it's like, okay. So I'd go to church and then we'd go to the mall and get shoes. And, you know, I remember I, my grandpa got me a fitted tiger hat and, you know, I mean, it's just like weird little details like that. But, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, by the time you get to high school, I mean, uh, I got to like 10th grade and, you know, this is a hugely, almost only white area and this family moved in that was they were black and um one of them was in my class her name was julia and she was literally the most beautiful girl i have ever seen in my life 
and we were like friends, but I was always like, man, you know, like everybody in this area and my parents and everybody are going to just hate this idea, you know? So, I mean, we actually eventually, you know, we danced at a dance together and it was like, we're together. Right. So, um, Casey, I know I'm skipping a lot of childhood stuff. I mean, it's just, you know, uh, but what's important to me anyway, is like I said, you know, we essentially like we're connected at the hip from then on, you know, and, uh, my parent, we kind of hit it because she wasn't allowed to date because her family was really Christian. They were actually like, uh, hog farmers from Ohio and they moved up here and they were anything but what you would call, I, I don't know, for a lack of a better term, they were not the black, you know, the black stereotype that people would put on, you know, uh, you know, so like they were not like that, they, you know, and, uh, you know, so I, I dated her for probably a year in secret and she had to keep it secret too, because she wasn't allowed to date. She was only allowed to court hey. to be married after high school. And so she wasn't allowed. So I had, she had to hide me and I had to hide her for a while. And eventually we just kind of came out with it. You know, I remember, you know, being just terrified of telling my mom and dad, and they were actually a lot cooler about it than I thought they were going to be. I mean, they didn't just walk around like they were racists, but it, it's around here. It would be almost more than what they would care about it. It would be, well, what are other people going to say? You know, and yeah, concern for the uh, over the prejudices. If they're trying to look out for you, I mean, obviously you would it'd be nice to live in a world where that wasn't the concern, but sure. That's it's like a weird, like though. I feel like a lot of middle America and I, I think it's changed a lot since we were kids, but it's almost like a, a a cultural prejudice rather than like an individual one. Yeah. Like nobody's going to really cop to feeling that way about it. But there, there is always like that reservation but when they you talk do. to older people where they're like, like, well, you just got to, the, the one that I heard whenever there was like somebody dating a person of, you know, a different ethnicity was like, well, you just got to think about like, what's life going to be like for those kids, man? It's just going to be hard for them. And you're like, what are you talking about? Oh my you know? God. It just drove me nuts, you know, because he, I actually heard that all the time. And um, so, you know, basically I ended up introducing her to my parents and within probably a day, she was probably my dad's favorite person on the planet. <laughs> and my, and the crazy thing with her too, is that she was one of 18 kids. Holy crap. So, oh my God. Yep. I knew that she had a big family, yeah. but I didn't know it was that big. Yeah, her parents had 13, and then her mom's sister died in a car accident, and she had five, and their dad was like an alcoholic, so they, they adopted those five, so she was one of 18. Wow, and, move over Duggars. Wow. Right. They should have their oh, own yeah. TV show. They should have their own show. That's fucked up. It's like up. the Duggars that don't suck. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and she was, I think she was, there was four younger than her. So there was a lot older than her and then a few younger. Um, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, that all went pretty good, uh, you know, as far as that goes. But like I said, she had she, her Christmases because they had so many kids. Her parents worked like two full-time jobs each just to try to get by and, you know, and plus the the hogs and stuff like that. But for Christmas, she would get an apple and a pair of socks. That's what she got for Christmas. Wow. So, so my brother and I used to just laugh because 
you know, my parents always go all out on Christmas. So me and my brother, you know, we, we would get a lot of stuff or whatever, but Julia would be like unwrapping gifts for like 45 minutes longer than everybody else. My dad would just, I mean, he would just pile them on her, you know, and it was just, I don't know, man, it was, it was always just such a great situation and everything was great. We were literally, I bought her an engagement ring when we were juniors in high school and, um, you know, and it was one of those funny things that for like, you know, at this point I had gotten to know her parents, her parents knew about me too, you know, and they were kind of softened on it. You know, like, I think they saw that I wasn't like a little, just the typical little prick that they probably were expecting. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, they, they had obviously see the ring on her finger and stuff. So one day her dad, he like came outside and he's like, Hey, why don't we go for a ride? You know? Okay. So we get in the car and he goes, is there something you want to ask me? You know, and I was like, uh, yeah, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I'd like to marry your daughter, you know, and he goes, you know, and that, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, and he's like, I'd be proud to have you as my son-in-law and things like that. And it was just, like I said, it it was just all good, man. We got married six months after we graduated high school. Um, we started selling cell phones like for, uh, essentially it ended up singular AT&T. Um, and, uh, like, yeah, we were, we were making good money. It was just, you know, it was just like a really, uh, I don't know. You know, I look back on it now, like it's almost fairy tale-ish, you know, but like it was really good, you know. And then, um, you know, obviously Casey knows, but uh, one, we had just bought a house in a town called Dryden and she worked in Shelby Township, which was like 25, maybe 30 minutes away. And in the wintertime on a Saturday morning, she was on her way to work and died in a car accident. Oh my God. And that threw my life into like, how old were you? What, how, how, how long were you guys married when this? Happened? Uh, well, we got married in 99 and this happened in 2004. So okay, we were married about five years. I, I would think I was 22. I was, it was a week before my 23rd birthday. And did uh, you guys have kids together? No. Okay. Nope. And, uh, sometimes I'm, you know, thankful for that because you know, that, you know, but in other ways I'm not, so I, I don't, mm-hmm. but no, we didn't, you know, we, we wanted to someday, but we were pretty young, you know, I mean, we were still, we were 22, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, actually, you know, just kind of a weird little, I know you guys talk about spiritual stuff and, or whatever, but like, I've never been a huge ghost guy or, you know, any of that stuff, but the morning she died. Um, it was a Saturday morning and I had to work at the mall at Great Lakes Crossing at noon. And I remember, I was, so I was kind of sleeping in, we were up kind of late the night before and, uh, I had a black lab, I'm, Casey remembers him, Ike, and he was laying on the floor and just out of nowhere, he jumped like something scared him. And this lamp fell off our nightstand and it fell on its side. And then I swear to God, it just stood straight back up. And I remember thinking at that time, like, that would never happen again. If I dropped that lamp off that table a million more times, it wouldn't stand up like that, you know. But I didn't think really much of it. And I remember looked over at the clock and I was like, that's eh, 928. I should probably get up. I have to work at noon, you know. So I, I got up and then that's, you know, the the uh, officer you know, the, a cop pulled in my driveway and is knocking on the door. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, what's a cop knocking on my door for? And, you know, he did the whole, like, you know, you should probably sit down and he confirmed that I was who I was. And then he told me what happened. 
And then I, I found out later that her time of death was 928, which is like the exact time that I saw on the clock when wow. my dog knocked that lamp off. So like, you know, in my head, wow, it's boy. like, so did he jump? Cause like she maybe visited one more time and it scared him and maybe she, she put the lamp straight back up. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but you wonder, you know, for sure, man. But, so what that did was that sort of, uh, that, that kind of put me in a place in life where I really needed something to do, you know, you must and, have gone into shock to some degree after getting that news. Like, Oh man. I mean, what, I, what did it even look like to begin to process that? Like, I mean, first you know, day, it probably feels like a dream. Like what, what was, what was that? What was that like? Uh, you know, it, it was just, you didn't, it didn't seem real until like, I remember I called my mom and I told her and, you know, my brother actually was in the, you know, he was still in high school at the time. And he said that my mom dropped, like she was in the kitchen doing her hair when I called and, you know, it was just like, Oh, Mike's calling me on Saturday morning, you know? And well, so Julia just died in a car accident. And my brother said that she literally dropped like she fell. And, uh, then I had to try to get a hold of her parents, you know? And I mean, it was just, and so my parents, you know, my dad rushed home from work, picked my mom up. Uh, we were about an hour away from my parents. So they, they got there in about 35 minutes, you know, my dad just hauled ass and, and got there. And the, the craziest thing is, is I had to go to the hospital and identify her. Oh my God. So we had to drive down. It was about an hour drive to the hospital and we, we get to the hospital. Uh, you know, you go through the whole thing of who you are and everything like that, you know? And, and so then they have you go in the room and there she is. And she looked like there was nothing wrong with her. Like there was no marks on her. She just looked like she was laying there and probably the, the part of it. And that's actually uh, Casey beauty fire. We had a song called beautiful corpse. <laughs> it was kind of about that. Um, it was a little morbid, but, uh, maybe I should have left that part out, but, uh, (laughs) the, the worst part, the, the part that will always stick to me is when I had to go in there and identify her, she still smelled like the vanilla lotion that I got her for Christmas, like two months before that. Wow. And like, that will just never leave my head. You know what I mean? You ever smell that, like a similar smell or that smell from time to time flashback? Yep. 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 I mean, anytime I smell like that, it's, it was like a Victoria's secret or maybe bath and body works. One of those like, you know, vanilla, whatever that girls wear or used to wear anyway. Um, every time I smell anything like that, it's just like it, you know, it's not like debilitating, but it, it cause it's been, yeah. you know, 20 years, but like it just, yeah, it brings you back to that. And I, I just, I don't know. I, to me, for some reason, that was just the weirdest part. And then, you know, I, the, like all the funeral process and stuff was really weird because, you know, it was really cool because we, we got this huge funeral home that had like a 400 person capacity and her funeral, like we did two nights of showings and then her funeral, like it was standing room only in there. And there was people in the hallways and standing outside. She had like 600 to 650 people at her funeral. Holy cow. You know, because we're just from a small town and everybody knew her and, you know, I mean, and everybody, you know, we had sort of made our way out into the world a little bit, too. And we've met a lot of people. I mean, it was just 
And I remember that was one of the hardest parts for me was, you know, obviously it was devastating to me, but I'm not like a outward, like crier or like show a lot of emotion and stuff. So like, I felt really strange and, and like, like I was somehow reacting wrong by not bawling my eyes out the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah, really yeah. weird, man. Like you just, you almost felt guilty because like somebody that maybe kind of newer, they walk up to me to tell me that they're sorry and they're bawling and I'm not, you know, I was devastated. I was wrecked, but like, I just didn't have like, you know, in fact, the, the time that it actually hit me was when you're at the burial and they lowered the coffin into the ground. That's when I got hit with that. Her brothers had to carry me out of the cemetery. Yeah. Oh my God. Man. So that's my, the that's part one of my depressing story. <laughs> <laughs> I know I joked before we started recording that I was like, thanks so much for uh, airing all this out for, so we can have some content. And it's like, God, it's crazy. That's such a, but that's it's kind of it's it's, it's kind of one of those things. It's 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 kind of nice to talk about a little bit, you know. I mean, I mean, you know, you don't you don't talk about it a lot to yeah. somebody that really gives a crap, you know. True, and sometimes you like there are things that are you've processed or you want to talk about or you don't mind talking about, but there's not a lot of settings in which you could talk about it. Like you're not right. You don't just bring this up in normal conversation because it's like a it's like it takes it in a direction that people probably weren't expecting it to go. So there isn't a lot of, when you have interesting stories uh, and difficult stories, it's like you don't get a lot of opportunities to be able to have those conversations. Uh, yeah. And, in an environment know, that's yeah, I mean, that's an awkward that. conversation at work or something, you know, what yeah. I mean? like to start talking about. So, sure. So, you know, and uh, so like in the aftermath of that, um, you know, I, I had talked to my, my mom at the time, my mom and dad actually started going to a, after I was an adult, they started going to a Baptist church. Oh, really? And so I, uh, I started, I, I talked to the pastor a few times and he's like, well, you know, and I just kept telling him, I said, I'm just, I'm really angry at God. Cause I remember I would be in like a, I'd be like, say I needed my, mine or hers for whatever reason, social security card. Well, she's the one that always filed all that stuff away. I didn't necessarily know. I knew generally where she had it, but like everything, like I had to go find because she was sort of like the, she handled, you know, that was just part of what she did is she handled, you know, where all this stuff goes and how she organizes it and whatever. So like I, I, one time I think I needed either mine or her birth certificate for something or social security card. And I was digging through the drawers trying to find it. And I was just so mad. Like, I couldn't find it. And I was upset. This is like probably a week after this all happened, you know, or maybe a couple weeks. And I just remember like I had, an, you know, the old school Xbox, you know, I remember I grabbed the controller and I whipped it at my ceiling and just started yelling, fuck you at God and stuff, you know, like, you know, how just how dare like not how dare you, but like, why would you do this to me? Like. You know, I've always tried to be as good to people as I can possibly be. And so was she like, so why would you do this to to us? You know, like we haven't, we didn't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? And, and so my, that this pastor, he told me, he goes, well, if your dad did something to you that, that, you know, really, uh, really made you mad or something, he goes, you know, would you feel justified in being mad and telling him that you're mad about it? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, God works the same way. Right. Like, so if you're mad at something that he did, you know, 
it's okay to be mad at them and it's okay to tell them that you're mad at them. It's okay to tell them that like, you know, basically F you, right. You know, and, uh, I'm kind of glad he told me that because like, I had a lot of guilt for feeling so mad at God at the time, you know, like, you know, we weren't heavy Christians or anything, but always believed in, you know, and, and you have a certain outline of, you know, what you, how you think you're supposed to talk to God, you know, like it's always supposed to be like, Oh Lord. And, you know, but you know, I was throwing F bombs at him. I hated him. I mean, I hated him for a while. You know, I remember, I remember, you know, maybe this is weird, but I remember laying in bed so mad. I, I was like telling God, I am going to lead an uprising and I'm going to fucking burn heaven. You know, I remember I was so mad at him. I was like, I am going to burn heaven. What do you think uh, it was, if you could even name it, that made you feel like that you still had that sense of belief to be angry at God? Like some people go with the other direction. They're like, I like uh, if God is good or, you know, those are the sentiments that we're raised with that uh, when something so bad happens to you, some people go, I, it's just too hard for me to believe that a God exists. And they might have mm-hmm. anger and they might even not know where to place it when you don't have, I think that can be healthy, right? I think when we have feelings that need objects as recipients of those feelings, I mean, being angry at God can be a very healthy way to handle uh, what we're going through. Um, sure. But at the same time, some people just lose that belief altogether. What do you, did you have any thoughts about that at the time? Like, or did you, you know, maintain that, that belief? it's hard to say that I, I don't think I ever lost belief because I almost always in my head sort of blamed him, blamed God. So like I never lost a belief because I believed that he did this to, to us. And you know what I'm, does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Like, yeah. So instead of saying, I don't believe in you anymore, I was more like, I don't want you anymore. You know, I don't suck. Like you're not, you're not good. You're You're you're, You're a dick. You know what I mean? And there's still times I feel that way. There's certain things that happen. And I'm just like, man, you know, like, what did I ever do to you? You know what I mean? Like, And everybody feels that way, I'm sure. Like, I, I guess maybe like, I don't know if it's, it's just that's, it's somehow ingrained into me that like, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I sort of blamed him. So therefore, I, I never lost belief, right? So and I mean, I even had, you know, I mean, I even did the old you know, put the shotgun in the mouth and then be mad at myself because I didn't pull the trigger, you know? Oh Christ, man. That's awful. I mean, it was a rough time, man. It was rough. And, you know, that whole thing, you know, through a longer version of it is, you know, how I met Casey and things like that, because I knew a guy that I used to work with Isaiah and (laughs) Isaiah was friends with, uh, Adam, who who is Emily now, but (laughs) Adam, uh, at the time he, uh, he was starting a band and I had, I had a bass play, I had a bass and I, you know, I always wanted to play in bands and stuff like that. And he kind of gave me the shot to like play with them. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but it kept me busy, man. And you know what? I mean, at the same time, like I have friends that for over a year after Julia died between my brother, my friend, Steve, my buddy, Derek, uh, my friend, Joe, and even a few other guys, like I never once stayed at that house alone for over a year. 
they, oh, wow. no matter what they had going, they coordinated it with each other to make sure somebody was there. And I, you know, I mean, I'm just so thankful for Yeah, like, that's incredible friendship. Yeah. And you know, and I, I, I wish I could make it up to them. I feel like I, you know, really don't, but you know, if I, if they ever needed me like that, I'd have to be there. Right. You know, <laughs> but so yeah, the band stuff is kind of how, like I said, how Casey and I met and is that you know, the band that put out the call and Casey answered? Was like a no, no, this was a previous Casey? one. This is a previous <laughs> one. So it's just, this kind of funny, this, this string of friends, right? So through Isaiah, I met Adam and we did a band called Magdalene for like a year or two. Good and, name. Uh, I've never heard that a, name before. It's kind of a cool name, you know. You never I heard thought, of Mary Magdalene? Yeah, but it was spelled M-A-G-D-A-L-Y-N, homie. Ah, so, oh. Yeah, so anyway, we, we, did, we did that, and that story started falling apart. So me and Adam got talking to uh, Adam's old bandmates, which was Nick, the drummer, and Davis, the guitar player. And I had met Davis a few times. Yes. There we go. And uh, (laughs) I had always, I had met Davis a few times in the past and I always kind of thought he was just kind of like this little weasel, you know? uh, (laughs) He knows, he knows all this stuff, but uh, (laughs) so, but you know, it was really funny, like, because like within like a week or two, that dude was like my best friend. And Casey, I know you know how that, that's how That's how he is. It's and, crazy that, that that is exactly how he is. Like, like it seems like such like when you don't know him, you think he's probably the biggest dickhead that you've ever met. Like, like I he didn't just know him before. So... I I met him on the podcast, and I my first initial reaction was this guy seems like he might be a dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like that, but he's not. He's and, the best. But what he en- but what he ends up being like is he's like the one guy that you could call at three o'clock in the morning and he would go anywhere to help you. And he awesome. would give- he's like a give you the shirt off his back kind of guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like I, you know, I, I've, I've a lot of times thought that, you know, rather through coincidence or, you know, you know, God led me to, to meet certain people that I needed to meet at the right times too, you know? And, you know, so, I mean, that's just kind of, I guess that's phase one of, <laughs> you know, how this stuff all kind of came together, I guess. So now, yeah, it is, it is interesting though. Like the talking about the belief, you know, like how belief doesn't change as much because of circumstances. I I'm sure it does for some people, but it's almost sure. like it's, it's sort of just part of who you are at some point. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think it was kind of like the opposite for me. Whereas like at some point I just realized like, if I'm being honest, this just isn't in there, you know, but it's, it's exactly the opposite for a lot of people. And I don't know. It's, it's weird how that works. Well, uh, you know, like I said, I, I can see how some people would just turn away from it, but I feel like if there was, there's a, there's a lot of things in life that, you know, and, and this could just be because this is what churches teach you or your grandparents teach you or whatever. But like that, that God is like the orchestrator of everything. Right. God and Jesus and things like that, like they, they orchestrate everything. So when something bad happens, I mean, it's still orchestrated by them, you right. know. So, I, you know, I, I don't I don't know. It's weird. I, I never I never uh, 
lost any belief, but like, you know, through my next relationship who with a girl who was uh, a really devout Christian and things like that, it really opened me up further into, um, I guess, more knowledge. Um, and I, I feel like I've, over time, I've sort of forgotten a lot of it, but like, um, I was really into it you know, for a few years, really into it. And like to the point where my uncle was a, a youth pastor in Virginia beach at uh, relevant ministries. And I was really considering moving to Virginia beach to work with him, you know? And it was kind of cool. Cause we used to always go meet bands and stuff like old sleeper and stuff. And how would you go meet them? What's this? Is this connected through? Uh, well, like we went, and, I mean, we met old sleeper at, uh, there was like, we went to the show in Warren and it was like a, a blizzard and it was like me, Davis, our girlfriends. And I think Ian, and we were, we were the, the crowd, there was <laughs> no one else there. That's so sick. And so like, we got to meet them, but you know what? I will always give them credit. They played that show to us, five people, like the building was full. I mean, they went off and that's five. That's such then a we cool hang out with them all night. And then from like then on, like whenever they'd come back to Michigan, I would just like send their bass player a message, Lucas. I would send him a message and just be like, uh, yeah, we want to come. And he'd be like, oh, how many people are coming? I'll put your name on the list. We never had to pay. You know, we always got to hang, you know, we'd hang out with them, go have dinner with them, we'd whatever, you know. And, you know, he'd give it, they'd give us like free merch and I'd always pay for it in their tip jar, but he'd basically want to fight me to give it back. But <laughs> they were the nicest dudes. That's, That's cool. I told Casey before, I'd, I wish I could like reconnect with Micah, their singer and have him talk to you guys. Cause like such a nice guy. And, and unfortunately I think four or five years ago, Lucas passed away. So um, that's, that's right. I remember they, yeah, I remember posts about that. Yep. He had colon cancer, I guess. So, you know, I mean, so that, that I know I could have got Lucas for you, but he's, <laughs> you know, can't do that now, but um, yeah. I mean, get a so, medium you know, on the show. And yeah, connect yeah. with him beyond the grave if he's up try. for the call. <laughs> we could try Jim, Hitler, just yep. all sorts of people. So, but you know, like, so you know, and so I will say that, like, through so, like, my next relationship was this girl Nicole that I met at art school. Because after after Julia died, I decided that I didn't want to work in retail anymore; that I wanted to do graphic design, which is what I do now. So, I mean, I'm glad I did all that. But so in art school, I met Nicole. And how, how long after was this? Um, year and a half. Two okay. Years. And I didn't meet her for about another year and a half into school. So she, it was probably a three to three and a half year gap. Okay. You know? When, when um, you met her, did you have any feelings of like guilt or did you like, did you, had you kind of not really needed to deal with, needed to deal with I, that? Honestly, no, because believe it or not, Julia and I had actually talked about if anything ever happened to each other that, you know, we didn't want the other person to just have to be alone or anything like that. And her family was very supportive of me too. Like, you know, Mike, you're 24, you know, yeah, 25. Yeah. like, you know, cause I had already bought the cemetery plot next to her and stuff like that. Like, oh, I'm going to be buried next to her and stuff. And my mother-in-law was actually like, you know, maybe, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, you got a lot of life to go yet, you know? So, but do you keep you know, in so, touch with her family at all still? Um, a little bit, not yeah. as much as I'd like to. And I, I it's actually something I kind of want to fix because they're really great people. You know, mm -hmm. they're really, really great people. I could just see that just being really challenging. Problem. So that's why I was curious. I feel like that would be 
especially like there's, there's not like grandkids to keep you involved. There's not a lot to keep you involved other than just that general desire. And I could, I could imagine that being difficult. That's why I was curious about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're the kind of people it would be really easy. It's just, you just don't, it's like sometimes in life, you like, you just, you don't talk to people for a while because you don't have a reason to, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, with, uh, with them every once in a while, one of her brothers will call me and we'll literally talk on the phone for like three hours, just like we'd never, we're just catching each other up on everything. And, you know, and then it'll be like, you don't hear from them again for a couple of years. And then you talk to them for three hours again, you know, That's cool. and you know, it's really cool. And like her little brothers were just like little brothers to me, you know, I mean, they were just, I mean, I taught them how to, you know, play baseball and all that stuff. You know, I mean, they thought I was some big, hard, big, badass athlete in high school because <laughs> I, you know, I, in baseball, I pitched the first game and caught the second game and, you know, they thought I was like a superstar. So I was always teaching them baseball, you know, but, but yeah, Nicole in from, uh, art school. And if I'm just blabbing, you can stop. No, me, oh, this is great. No, man. I, I'm very excited to hear about Nicole. <laughs> So, so I met her and she was literally like the cheer and the funniest thing about her is she was like five, nine. She was like really tall. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm five, eight. So like five, nine is pretty tall for a girlfriend. And, uh, she was really cheery. She was like the kind of girl that like, and it, it sounds obnoxious, but like Davis could confirm she, she could walk into a room and it was literally like she brightened the room up. She was like, so like just cheery and positive and fun. And, you know, like Davis, you know, he was always like, dude, if we ever went on tour and stuff like that, she could come with us. Cause she's just like one of the, she's just one of us, you know? And she was just awesome. And, you know, and, and she, when I met her, she was actually living with her pastor, like her pastor and his wife. And, you know, like she, you know, she had gotten divorced. Uh, she had an abusive husband she got divorced, her pastor and her, his wife had her living with them so that she had somewhere to be. And she was, you know, she was on her way out of that, but like, that's kind of when I met her was still there. And, um, you know, that all went really well. I kind of got her into like what I considered the cool music. You know, I loved like the Christian metalcore scene, you know, at that time it was like Norma Jean and the chariot and, you know, I don't know, August burns red, haste the day, that kind of stuff, you know? And, uh, you know, sleeping giant, pending. Hey, doom. sleeping giant. Yeah, Casey said you guys are having Tommy on. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I shouldn't say that. Dude, Maybe I shouldn't say that. No, it's fine. Uh, I think it's actually going to happen this time. We've talked about him a couple of times on here, so I'll just mention it while we're on the topic. Is I love we that had, guy. We had talked to us. Uh, I had talked to him a bunch on Instagram, and then he just was like ghosted. Like yeah. never was able to get him scheduled. Messaged him like three more times. Nothing. And then we put out, we talked to, when we had Joe on, we talked to Joe for a little while after the recording and he's like, you guys got to get Tommy on the podcast. I was like, yeah. funny story about Tommy. <laughs> I don't think he wants to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to text him. I'm going to text him and be like, dude, you got to like, you got to, I just did this great podcast and, and then he'll, he'll remember. So then I posted, uh, Tommy follows us on Instagram. That's how I reached out to him to begin with. So then I posted, um, posted the episode and I got a notification. He liked it and then immediately messaged me and was like, oh, my God, I totally dropped the ball on this. I'd love to do it. Please schedule oh, me man. for like the soonest date we can do it. And I, I just, can't wait for that. I gave him a date and he's like confirmed and sent me his email address and all that shit. So I was like, it's so funny. I'm like, I wonder if he just didn't think it was the right fit for him. And then he saw Joe do it and was like, 
oh, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I messaged Joe. I was like, funny story. Like, as soon as I posted this episode on Instagram, the the social media post about it, I was like, Tommy messaged me right away. He's like, oh, I totally forgot to read. I thought maybe Joe reached out to him. Like he said, and he's like, I totally forgot to reach out to him about it. And he's like, so it just that works. literally came full circle. It was the funniest like happenstance. Oh, I can't wait for that one, man. Yeah, that guy could be like a four-hour episode, man. Yeah, we might. It might go. That one might go a little long. Yeah, his we new project, Holy stuff. Name, is actually pretty cool to listen to. It's pretty cool. I haven't um, actually listened to much of the music. I'll check that out, obviously beforehand. Uh, I mean, I've heard like bits of it through like their Instagram posts. Um, the the vibe of it isn't necessarily like. I can't, if the music is good, that's all that actually will matter to me. Um, but I know it's like a spin. It's like, it's supposed to be like kind of a, a worship project for them. Too. Yeah. And you know, he got like head from corn and Brooke from impending doom. And I mean, there's a oh, bunch corn of different gave him head. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> Oh yeah, that actually, yeah. That does sound <laughs> off. Okay. Ed, the guitar player from corn. Yeah. Brian yeah. head Walsh. Uh, yes. There you go. Oh, fuck. <clears throat> I'm going to, oh, I hope we get head. Absolutely, <laughs> you got head from corn. I'm absolutely, uh, Joe. Yeah, I feel like that's gonna end up being this episode title. <laughs> I got head from corn. Tommy <laughs> Green got head from corn. Oh my god! Uh, sorry, Tommy, if you're listening to this, Dude, I love you. I, I, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> so, so, you got her into right. uh, cool music yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. Everything about that was cool, and there was no negative ramifications. <laughs> no, none. <laughs> none at all. So, all right, yeah. So, I mean, that was all good. We got engaged, you know, got engaged, sent out wedding invitations, bought her a car, and uh, there was a show in Toledo, one of my favorite, like, all-time bands, uh, Clutch. They were playing in Toledo at Headliners. I never heard of Clutch. And- Really? Oh, man. Yeah. What That's a rabbit music? hole you could go down, my man. What kind of music? But, uh, Casey, what, how would you call it? They're, they, oh, man. They're, they're like a rock band. But okay. like, I feel like you won't have like a really it, different like, vibe. Is it like Southern, that Southern rock? Like, Kind of, yeah. The kind of Southern rock blues, but like a gruff voice, and he's a real storyteller kind of. It's a storytelling type thing. It's really cool. I think it's really cool. It's but, pretty good, but you're a huge fan of them, I remember. Yeah, the, actually, this show was the 25th time I was going to see them. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> in fact, uh, yeah, so so anyway, we so we drove down to Toledo, and uh, the band opening for them, which was a band that I just loved, was Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. Okay. And... Uh, I was like, oh, hell yeah, you know. So, I mean, it was a really good show. And, you know, we always tried to meet bands and stuff like that. So we met Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. And, uh, you know, got along with them. She seemed to get along with them pretty well. And uh, <laughs> so Casey obviously knows up. this part of the story because he's <laughs> laughing his dick off. <laughs> so a week later, out of nowhere, she's leaving me. And it's like really like we just sent out wedding invitations i literally just bought you a car um really you know and uh yeah you know i'm just afraid that someday i'm just gonna hurt you you know all this stuff you're you're better than me oh, yeah I, I don't, not me i don't deserve you I mean, it's not you stuff. it's me yeah me the old no. george costanza yep so it's all this stuff and you know so 
you know, and you know, I, I, I paid for her cell phone and all that stuff. So I got the detailed bill and I started for a while. I was like, man, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kind of be Snoopy in the detailed billing and just see who she's calling and stuff like what's going on, you know, cause this was just out of nowhere. Right. And, uh, and that's a lot of unsettling when you're that far into a relationship and you send out wedding invitations. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I snooped a little bit, but so anyway, uh, I think it's the, I started seeing a bunch of calls from this. I think it was a seven two seven area code. If I remember right, which ends up being Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which is where you guessed it. Maylene and the Sons of Disaster is based out of. Jesus Christ. So all of a sudden I start getting, I got like $70 in roaming charges because she was up in Canada and I kind of looked at where she was. And then I was suspicious enough that I look, I checked out Maylene and the Sons of Disaster's tour dates and they seem to coincide quite well. <laughs> And so, yeah, it ended up that she left me for Kelly, their guitar player. So uh, that was pretty cool. Was... Are they married with lots of kids now? No, they aren't. <laughs> Wait, which member was it? Kelly Scott Nunn. He was, <laughs> I'll call him right out by his fucking name. Uh, dude, it's because that's skeezy, man. I don't oh, care. Kelly that's... Scott Nunn, rhythm yeah. guitar and backing vocals from 2008 to 2010. He wasn't, yeah, he was only in it for like two years. Oh, yeah. Kelly Scott Nunn, you're a Kelly. So, uh, actually, looking at I just pulled them up on Wikipedia. They have had one, two, three, 90 members, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 members. Yep, holy smokes. And yep. they took a break, um, obviously, because of the whole Dallas Taylor thing. Yep. But they're back again. So uh, so the f- they've had so many people cycle through. That's crazy. It's probably because all they did was steal girlfriends and fuck off. <laughs> well, all right. So <laughs> the fact that you say that. Um, oh, oh, sorry. I have a Maylene story in a minute, too. Uh, it's not so, directly related. but So a band that I may have mentioned earlier. Um a bassist in that band who may or may not have passed away told me a story that basically that was exactly what that band does is they go around and they essentially try to screw any chick they can find. They pretend to be Christians and that's what they do. Just pick and, up uh, and in fact, I th- believe that someone else in that said band lost their girlfriend to one of them at one point. So, um, <laughs> oh. And, nice. Yeah, and so that was a big thing because I actually like told Nicole about that. I was like, "Yeah, you know, like you know, Lucas said this. You know, I'll just say, it. Uh, you know, he said this, and all of a sudden, immediately, Maylene is like starting to just trying to start beef with O Sleeper and shit. So I had to like try to like I had to talk to this Kelly guy and just be like, "No, he I I embellished what he said, and you know, he didn't because I didn't." Because Lucas was like, dude, we can't have like a beef with like a band that we literally tour with. You know what I mean? Like, I was kind of telling you that I didn't mean for you to like get out, you know? So so I felt awful about that because I'm like, dude, I'm going to cause like trouble with like this band that I really love. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So it was just such a messed up situation. And then the best part about the whole thing is about a year after. So I I told you the story of how this what, what actually happened. About a year after that was when I started dating Lindsay, who became who I married eventually. I started dating her and Nicole called me in the middle of the night 
like 2.30 in the morning. So obviously I didn't, you know, I didn't even know it. I saw it the next day. I called her on my way home because I still had that car and she was paying me for insurance. So I'm like, all right, did she get in a car accident or something? She literally calls me and goes, hey, I just started dating this new guy. He really reminds me of you. He's so much like you. And she's like, can you just tell me what it is that I did wrong? Like, how, how did I screw this relationship up? And I, or what should I do? And I was like, well, I what a think you could start by thing to ask. I told her, I was like, you could probably start by not dumping them. That would be the my first suggestion is don't dump them. And she got like really pissed off and she, oh, just never mind then and stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, never mind. Dude, <laughs> you dumped me for the guitar player in this band. Like you could start by not fucking touring musicians. Step one. Right. I mean, <laughs> So yeah, man. So that was like, oh my God, that was like another little, and so like that whole time period too was sort of when we were um, doing our band with Davis and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I think I'd probably met Casey by then and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, that was a whole bizarre goings on too. Were you, you know? like at that point, like I'm going to give up on having a relationship? <laughs> Did that like? destroy your belief in it should have happiness because the way things you. turned out <laughs> the way things turned out it should have but unfortunately i hadn't learned my lesson yet so there, <laughs> uh, was, there was more in store uh <laughs> my uh my brief mailing story was i saw them play at um a venue near me the worcester palladium and uh, my buddy jesse who's been on the podcast before can corroborate the story we at the Palladium there you could always go hang out in the back parking lot and that's usually where you'd meet bands at that time especially were like the metal and hardcore bands that were touring like they had their followings in order to keep that shit going but now when you see these bands it's like it's more mainstream it's bigger so like yeah back then you could go meet them you yeah just walk it was up a lot and easier and you would just hang out where they're there they parked their buses or their vans yep. and they usually had a van with a fucking trailer and shit like they still had that like DIY feet. Like they're still grinding, even though it felt like they were on top of the world. Uh, and so we would always hang out in the back parking lot to try to meet people afterwards. Um, now it's like the buses are parked on a certain road and they have the gates and there's people making, it's making their lives easier to get in and out. Whole but, different scene. You know? So we went back and there's this guy hanging out and he, he seemed like he, I don't know. He was a little bit older and he was like this quote unquote youth pastor. And so we got roped into this like hour long conversation with him. And we're kind of just like waiting for like people to show up, the bands, people we want to talk to. And we get stuck in this like hour long conversation with this guy who tells us a lot of, I wish I could recall a lot of it, but it's a lot of sob stories about like how things just didn't work out. He was dating this girl, but then she like left him and you're starting to pick up on, okay. The problem in all of these stories is obviously this guy. And when people are over sharers and they tell you like five stories of how things haven't gone well for them in the past 95 days, you're like, oh, I'm dealing with a psychopath at this point. Uh, but it took That's a probably little... how I see him. No, no, no. <laughs> it, 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 it took a little bit longer. To, we solicited you for this to tell your story. Uh, but, but when you're in a parking lot in the back of a venue with a guy you just met and he tells you a lot of strange stories, uh, one of which is I believe that he 
had a relationship with someone who had like was in the youth group at some point that he was oh. a quote unquote oh. youth pastor of. She was 18 and she graduated high school. Don't worry. Oh, so yeah, that's fine. Um, and he just had creeper vibes and all this stuff. And he starts talking like, kind of like trying to like preach to us. And we're like, okay. okay. And he, he, he tells us, and I, I went on this quest to find this verse for a long time because he was like, so like, he acted like he knew what he was talking about and it was kind of commanding. And you're like, Oh, interesting. Interesting. And he's like, in the, you know, it says in the Bible that it's better to spill your seed on the ground than to plant it in the belly of a whore. And I'm like, it does, huh? And I don't, no, no text citation or anything like that. I mean, I was like, <laughs> got home and started Googling this. I was like, is this a thing? Cause if so, I can jerk off all the time and no one can get mad at me. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was supposed to be a no. <laughs> as long as I don't plant my seed in the belly of a whore, I'm good. Uh, it turns out in one of those director's cut Catholic yeah, books. Exactly. It's like uh, the, the book of Omar. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that they found it. It's like actually was written 300 years ago and just made to sound like it was old. And it took us a little bit too long to figure it out. Uh, with some textual criticism, but I'm like that one. That'll I'll I can never ever ever hear the name Maylene and the Sons of Disaster without remembering getting preached to in the back of a parking lot by this creeper who was hanging out for God knows what reason and telling us about Bible verses that didn't exist. <laughs> like they were just like a traveling like skis show or something. Yeah, weird shit weird. all around them. But that's what I, I immediately was like, as soon as I realized that wasn't in the Bible, I'm like, this guy <laughs> never stops jerking off. And that's yeah. what he used. He tells everybody oh. that verse. He's like, no, he's it's probably real trying thing. to talk you into letting him jerk you off. I know. I see if maybe a circle jerk could get was, going or something. Yeah, we were getting groomed. Uh. <laughs> that's a word that gets thrown around a lot these days. But it's gross. I digress. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a good time, man. That was that was an interesting time in life. You know, like, yeah, I mean, you know, like uh, we had the for a while there, we had the band going. We thought it was actually going pretty good. And, you know, I don't know, just it was like, wow, you know, hey, you know, life's gotten cool again. And then it just womp womp, you know. But see, so uh, this was I was, I was kind of telling my son about this the other night. Uh, you know, some people have and I think I, I kind of got the idea from when you were your podcast was was it Joe from Beloved? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And he was talking about how, like, he, you know, when you have a spiritual experience or something and, you know, that sort of changes you. And um, so, like, when I was with Nicole, she was uh, an apostolic. And so, you know, that's like the, uh, oh yeah, you know, uh, speaking in tongues and dancing and running around. And I mean, it was actually I always kind of thought it was almost like being at a metal show, but church, you know, so I kind of <laughs> thought it was fun. You know, their band jammed, you know, I mean, it was. It's like kind of cool. Your fight dancing to organ music. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, you know, I, for whatever reason, maybe it's because I was buying into it and whatever, but I, you know, I mean, I, I actually had like the speaking in tongues experience. And then after she was gone, like, you know, like it was kind of a, that almost that same feeling as after Julia left where it was just like, wow, like I am, you know, I'm a wreck again. You know what I mean? I'm just destroyed again. Yeah. And I mean, it was just going on forever. And, and I, I just, it was maybe a month or two after she was gone, you know, I'm still texting her and calling her trying to be like, you know, you know, 
you can't do this to me and all this, you know, whatever. But finally one day I, I was laying in bed. It was like afternoon after, after, cause in college I'd get home at like three or four and I just kind of went in my room and I just laid down, you know, all bummed out. And I'm, I'm like, you know, talking to God again. And I was like, what do I have to do to not feel like this? Like, what do I have to do? Like, I have, I just, I feel awful, you know? And I, it, it was like a voice that wasn't mine. Like, I know it sounds schizophrenic, but like a voice that wasn't mine kind of told me that like, well, fast and pray on it. Okay. And I've never, never done that. I've never fasted and I'm not even a huge prayer. I do, but not all the time, not a lot. So the next day I didn't eat and I, you know, every time I was hungry or whatever, whatever you do, I, I would pray and, uh, to, you know, just to get over this. And, uh, yeah, I mean that, that night I remember laying down and I still felt that way. And I was like, well, I, I, I feel like I did what you asked me to do, you know, and I swear, I just, I swear all that heaviness and all that depression and everything, it it just literally went gone. It was just gone. And so to me, I considered that like my own little spiritual experience, you know, and, and, you know, in a a really just a complete side story, it just kind of goes along with your guys' theme, I guess. But like my uncle, my uncle was going to that same Baptist church that my mom went to and he had been to the doctor. He went to like three doctors. You have prostate cancer, right? You have prostate cancer. Uh, we're going to have to do this surgery. You know, we're going to have to do this for you to even have a chance and all this stuff. And so it was like three or four days before he was supposed to have this surgery. He went to church and they did that whole like hands on him, like where everybody in the building puts their hand, you know, and they all pray for him and stuff like that. And he went for like this final, like, you know, confirmation that they need to do whatever they were going to do and no signs of cancer gone. I mean, just gone. And he had had three doctors before that tell him that he had it. So, I mean, I know that, you know, so there's just weird things that sometimes where I just go, you know, is sometimes like as much as I can't believe that like a guy built this giant ship and like put every animal on the planet on there. Like I can't do it because I, and I still will openly admit that I do not believe the Noah story. Like I don't (laughs) believe it. I'm sorry. I don't, but I I feel like there is something to it, you know? And like my uncle said, when they were doing that, like he had gotten this really cold feeling like this, like chilled feeling. And you know, that, and that can happen whenever anybody, when you get over emotional about having say 50, 60 people praying over you, you know, but like yeah, yeah. for the, for his, any symptoms of cancer to be gone two days later, I thought that was pretty wild. That's just pretty wild, you know? So, I mean, to me, like, I'm not telling anybody what they should or shouldn't believe ever, but like, to me, there's just like little things like that, that sort of make me go, I don't know, like, what's the worst that could happen if I continue to believe in this, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, that's something Davis used to say too. He's like, you're, you're better off to like, they're either is God and is heaven or there isn't, but you might as well believe that there's something there because, you know, that's your only chance, right? Like with that Pascal's wager. Yeah. Like if there is a heaven, you, you better at least believe in it or you're not, you know, you're not going right. So I think, yeah, I, I'm not preaching. I'm just saying like, you know, that's just how, that's how my mindset's just been on it, I guess. Well, I've thought about it a lot too, about how, you know, cause I was, 
the the Christianity that I grew up in at school and stuff was such a the Bible is literal truth. Everything in it is truth. And if one thing in it is false, then how can you trust the rest of it? Like it was just this like all in zero sum game that they preached to you and to and it was like a protective thing, right? It was like a don't question anything because you're questioning all of it if you take one piece of it out of the puzzle, you know, and I think they thought that, that would cement kids understanding of what it is and like give them a firm foundation of belief. But what it does is like eventually, yeah, as an adult, like or even as a young teenager, whatever, you know, you start hearing about, yeah, this guy got swallowed by a whale and spit <laughs> up on the beach. And like, yeah. I, I still have friends now that like, when we talk about this kind of stuff, you know, I'll bring that up. And I'm like, look, man, I just can't like, I can't, I can't. Buy you know, I, have this like stuff. A, I have like this little thought. And, and like I said, I always use Noah because like that story did not happen. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, there was not a Noah's Ark with every two of every animal on the planet. It didn't happen. But what might what might have happened is there might have been like there might have been this little town somewhere that flooded, and potentially some crazy dude maybe grabbed like two dogs, like two goats, two cows, you know, a couple of every animal, thinking that he's on some big quest to save these animals, and then couple somebody dinosaurs, right? But I mean, somebody whoever. But I'm just saying, like, maybe maybe there was a guy that was maybe he was like the town crazy guy. And and he, you know, like I said, he grabbed a couple cats, a couple goats, and he thought he was saving the population. And, you know, he put him on his boat and, and rode out of town with it. But like, I, I just feel like whoever then came up with the Noah's Ark story made of might have like gotten inspiration from that. You know, like, I, I feel like there's a lot of things in the Bible that shouldn't be taken literally, but maybe you should take the message from it. You know, like maybe it's just a more entertaining a story than what really happened. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, I guess that's how it's I see it. You know, a lot of people are like, blasphemer, you know, but, you know, it's, uh, it's that's exactly how I feel about it, too. And it's like you're like nobody's arguing over whether or not like the the parable of the good Samaritan was like a literal occurrence. Like nobody really cares about that, but like they, you know, like, like I said, like friends that I have that are still pretty steeped in like real conservative Christianity, like they feel this need to defend those things as literal truth. And you can tell when they're talking about it, that they feel ridiculous. And it's like, I don't push. They have to say it. Yeah. It's like, I don't push the issue with them, but it, it, it's yeah you could just you get the sense that they're like they feel silly making this argument but they feel like compelled like they have to because everything hinges on the whole thing being true and taken literally and the earth is six thousand years old and you know all of that i don't know i just i think that a a, a little less adamant teaching around that stuff when I was younger, maybe that would have made room for me to have something of it left when I got older and started to move on and stuff. But I don't know, you know, who knows? Maybe not. Yeah. And like I said, I've, I've thought before too, that, you know, maybe instead of Adam and Eve, maybe evolution is real. Maybe that's how God actually did this, you know, like maybe God can't just snap his finger and say, 
Ah, uh, yeah, here's people. And yeah, there's uh, giraffes and elephants and whatever else. Like, I just created it all. Like, maybe there's an actual process to the whole thing. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, the year I went to Hillsdale, I sat through a lecture at like the Wednesday night church thing by this guy who was a he was a science professor at the school, but he was also a Christian. And he kind of laid out that argument that like, well, I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe he died for my son. But, you know, I also believe that, you know, science really points towards evolution as as a, a prominent thing in our history and stuff and i just remember like walking out of there just angry like what an idiot <laughs> <laughs> it's just so it's like, it's so hard for me it's funny because being in the church that i was in it was pretty conservative i don't feel like anyone harked on that too much uh even though i would i was convinced of that um and there was someone ironically who <laughs> he worked for raytheon uh but he was a scientist and <laughs> i worked for raytheon for a while he was like um, do you make cluster bombs? <laughs> <laughs> but he was just like, uh, he, he, he took the, he designed the shark teeth yeah. on the <laughs> side of the top. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> That's awesome. So this, this guy was like one of the first people I heard of who was like in our church that just was like, yeah, of course evolution is true. And you're like, shocked by that and then you go oh i guess he believes it and he's fine there so maybe it's not such a big deal but then it's like that's just one of those things where like the the more time goes on and the more you hear that conversation you just are like you're still like churches are people in church are still having that still having that conversation yeah. you want to be like i i can't think of a conversation with someone like I don't know. There's just like churchy conversations where you're like, th those are hard. I feel like they're like harder to have as the more time goes on. Like I remember like the Ken Ham, Bill Nye debates and things like that. You're just like, okay, got to strap in for this one. <laughs> this is just jerking each other off. To yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm dumb enough to actually think that like, like when, uh, you know, with like, well, maybe God does things through evolution. Like I actually kind of thought like, I might be one of the only people that's ever actually considered this. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like a lot, cause like that just kind of, that's something that like, I just thought of, like, I didn't see that anywhere. I mean, I just, I was like, I don't know, like to me, evolution is obviously a thing. So how does that fit in? And it's just like the same thing with like Noah and the crazy guy in the town and stuff like that. I just thought like, why are people taking everything in the Bible literally when, you know, it's like, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I It's just funny. Like, I, I've never really heard these theories anywhere because I don't dig into it. It's just kind of that's just the way that I've always thought about it, you know. So, but like well, so I was actually naive enough for a while to think that, like, I think I'm on to something. You know? <laughs> so speaking of uh, theories, uh, I don't know how far you want to delve into uh, <laughs> your recent recent past. But uh, okay. you've 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 had you've had a pretty strange experience over the past couple of years here that uh, I don't know it was fascinating. It really trended a lot with like what was going on in the country and stuff too. Which I don't know. I just thought it, it was just a very weird the way that things played out with uh, your recent significant other. Yeah. Okay. Well. So <laughs> back to. Mike story time. Uh, 
So <laughs> after Nicole, like I said, I was with, I, I met Lindsay and uh, she had, she had three kids, two sons and a daughter. I, you know, we, we moved in together. Uh, kids call me dad. Like uh, we get married. Everything's kind of, you know, it's kind of cool. Like, you know, she's a stay at home mom, you know, and okay, that's great. You know, and I don't know, we, we had my daughter in 2013. And so I think it was probably around 2016. I would say it was probably Trump election time, you know, and that's when like, it seems like a lot of people started really getting into like conspiracy theories and, you know, like the government's trying to kill you and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, so this all kind of started to manifest. And then, then with when COVID happened and things like that. So what happened was, is what I think happened was, you know, how like, well, I, I've, I've described it before. Like, you know, like when you get into like, say heavy music, right. You're like, oh man, you know, like Norma Jean's so heavy. Like I can't imagine anything heavy or actually back in the day it have been like corn so heavy. I can't believe it. You know? And then it was like Slipknot's unbelievable. You know, I, how do you write something that heavy? And then Norma Jean and then, you know, Lorna Shore, you know, like it just keeps getting more and more and more like, and you always want heavier or I do, you know, I feel like it's the same thing with conspiracy theories. Like, <laughs> like I love you, that analogy. You start off like, oh, you know, like the government's putting uh, fluoride in your water. And, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, they do, but like they're doing it for nefarious reasons, you know. And and that starts to evolve into, you know, chemtrails and then that evolves into mind control and, uh, you know, Obama is actually a clone and Michelle Obama is a, a transgender or, you know, I mean, it and it just keeps going and yeah, going yeah. and going. Eventually you're, <laughs> you're listening to Frontier and Car Bomb at full volume. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so like... So like, so what kind of started happening, probably, I think it was like late 2019 is, uh, Lindsay had, I think it was probably a cystic acne breakout on her face and, you know, and she was struggling with that. And somehow she started watching these videos online that were convincing her that it was this Morgellons disease. And if you look up Morgellons disease, there are actually a lot of people on the planet that think it's real, but most people who have it and actually seek proper psychological or psychiatric care all of a sudden don't have Morgellons anymore. So what this disease supposedly is, is a government-made parasite that infests your body. It is guided by AI, and once it's in you, they can, the government can literally say, okay, Casey has a heart attack. Boom. And he'll have a heart attack. This or, is all new information to me. I've oh, never dude, heard this. It up, man. Incredible. Look, and the only way to treat it is YouTube videos. It's, it's Mage- <laughs> More YouTube it's, videos uh, than you can imagine. It's Magellan the Dragon Disease. Is that what you said? More Gellans. Oh, yes. more- <laughs> or, yeah, so I guess maybe some people call it More Gellans, but she always called it More Gellans. So that's just what it sounds like to me. Is it wow. supposedly like an old thing or is it something new? Well, it's somewhat new. The government sent a this is one of the I this is one of the theories that I was told 
is the government actually sent a secret mission to the dark side of the moon where this parasite never landed on the first place, right? <laughs> where this, where this, yeah, where this, Which where this one parasite. So, <laughs> did they fucking do it or not? <laughs> so like, uh, so they, so they brought this parasite back from the moon and then they embedded AI into it and then they load up chemtrails with it. And they, that's what is actually being dropped on us from chemtrails. And, uh, so anytime, you know, like, so, okay, like anybody's shirt right now might have like a little hair or a fiber on it and you can grab it and you'll hold it up. And it's such a fine fiber that even though you don't feel air current, there is always air current. Air is always circulating. So these little fibers are so small that they actually move in that air current. Well, that's not what's happening. What's actually happening is that little fiber is alive. And that is one of those parasites and we're infested with them. And the only thing you can even do to even dream to combat it is you basically have to eat borax, brush your teeth with borax. You have to, you have to mix borax into like vinegar and spray it all over the house. Um, you know, I'm, I'm talking like my house smelled like straight up vinegar for months because it, and I was going through or I wasn't, but like I was essentially paying for probably four or five gallons of vinegar every week or two. Um, lint rollers. I mean, sh- lint rolling the floor constantly. Cause you're trying to collect all these little oh uh, parasites. God. Yep. Yep. Right. And uh, you know, and you know, she, one of the big problems that I had was, you know, and I never allowed it, so don't. It didn't happen, but like she wanted to get the kids to start eating borax and stuff like <gasps> that. So, you know, yeah. Oh so, my god! You know, god, yeah, I, I never, I never allowed it. But like, it was like, what was that like I'm trying not... to prevent? That? Did you have to like actively step in to prevent that? Like, what was that? Well, I had to. I basically told the kids that anything that your mom gives you that isn't normal food, don't eat it. You know? Wow. Because she had this whole theory that. Cause she, she watched a video and she showed me the video. It's this guy that actually worked for the company that, that makes Borax. This <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But <clears throat> so this guy was a whistleblower and he was, he has a lot of knowledge on what they do. And the only way to kill it is to lower your pH. And the only way to really do that properly is to take a teaspoon of Borax in water every day. And Oh my God! Was hell bent that the kids were going to start doing this because they were infested, and I it was just absolutely wasn't going to happen. And then you know, so then we have COVID happening right at the same time, and COVID was just more gelins. This is the theory, right? COVID was actually just more gelins manifesting into everyone, like and everybody better get on board with all this stuff that you're supposed to do. I can't even remember most of the stuff that you had to do, to be honest. Like it probably changes all the time. I mean, it was, it was very fluid. It was every day. And I'm telling you, man, like, you know, I was, I was told I was the worst husband or the worst father on the planet because I, I was still sending my kids to school and because they're walking into a school with a bunch of vaccinated people. And when you take the vaccine, your body sheds 
Morgellons all over everybody. Oh my God, dude. This and is like, she could, she's having like a psychological breakdown. Yeah. And she actually felt as though when she was walking, say through a Walmart or something, she could actually see, she could tell who was vaccinated and who wasn't because. Oh my God. She could actually when she would go near someone who's vaccinated, her skin burns. Dude, this is some <laughs> unreal yeah, shit. I've never heard anything like this. I actually, while you've been talking, I couldn't not look this up simultaneously. And I did find a um, a pretty good, like, peer-reviewed uh, article on the history of Mergellin's disease uh, that came out in 2018. Um, yeah. And it, I mean, it really is like, uh, just like part of the abstract in it, it was pretty interesting, but it's just like clinical studies supporting the hypothesis that Morgellons disease MD is exclusively delusional in origin, have considerable methodological flaws and often neglect the fact that mental disorders can result from underlying somatic illness. In contrast, rigorous experimental investigations show that this skin affliction results from a physiological response to the presence of an infectious agent. Recent yeah. studies from that point of view show an association between md and spiro spirochetal infections in humans cattle and dogs they've determined that the uh basically it's like there's probably some sort of infection in your body but you're having like a physiological response to like a like your belief that like yeah, you're not addressing the real problem. Going, like I used to try to going on there. It's crazy. Yeah, I used to try to get her to go to a dermatologist or something, and it was just like not going to happen. You know, I mean, not you know, their doctors are part of the problem. They're spreading it. You know, and you know, I mean, it, there was just nothing you could say. And you know, like there's always a counter argument, right? And it's kind of like what you were to me. It kind of felt like you know, also like you know, when you're just sitting there and somebody starts, oh God, my kid had lice last week, and you know, I mean, I, you know, they start talking about lice and you're like, oh man, now my head itches. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah, don't know. I yeah, mean, yeah, like, yeah. That's a, such a good way. So to, I mean, that's, like, that's cool. That's a good way to put it. So like, if you're, if you're thinking about like the skin disease all the time and like every reverse placebo effect almost. Yeah. Everything you watch has to do with these parasites on your skin. Everything you read, everything, of course, you're going to start thinking that like, Every time you have anything on you, that's what it is, you know, and, you know, and it's just one of those situations where it was like, you know, I, I worked and I don't know, you know, maybe I'm airing out too much, but like, it would be like, you know, I'd go to work and I'd come home and it would be like the house was as messy or messier than it was when I left. So like she did nothing all day except watch videos about this stuff like oh my god it was like literally doing nothing and then on top of that just basically being like because i don't 100 percent believe her i am like awful like terrible supporter you're sending her to death essentially it's like i mean she actually there was times where she literally bought bad at me like i was a sheep and (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, man. That's so wild. So, I mean, how did that? What did that digress into? Eventually, uh, I mean, you're not together uh, now. I'm trying to think if there was okay. One, probably the straw that broke the camel's back was one day. 
I, you know, I was already thinking pretty heavily, like, this isn't going to work, man. You know, I can't live like this anymore. You right. know, like this has got to stop. So I got up one morning and she always, like, I would be getting ready for work and she would be getting like my, the older kids didn't need any help with getting ready for school at that point. But like my daughter was like eight. Right. So she still needed help. And, you know, and she would drive her to school and stuff. Well, one morning she got up and I heard her telling my daughter that she will no longer have anything to do with her going to school because the only reason, you know, the, or the, you know, the only reason she's even going is because dad's making you go. And if it were up to me, you'd be homeschooled and stuff like that. And then she walked in and walked into my bedroom as I was getting ready. And she put a finger in my face and was like, if you want these kids to go to school, you take them. I'm going to have nothing to do with it from now on. You're sending them to a death trap where they are literally being shed on every day by people who are vaccinated. And I will no longer have anything to do with those kids going to school. So I literally had to then take my daughter to school every day, which they won't let you drop her off to like 745. So I had to tell my boss, I'm going to be about eight minutes late for work every single day that we have school because my wife will no longer take my daughter to school. So oh my that God. was kind of one of those things where I was like, that's the straw right there. Like there's always a straw and there was probably a lot more severe things, you know, that I, but like, that was the one thing where I just finally went, you know what? I'm not doing no more. So that's I, wild know, I had to file for divorce and, you know, and then. I was told that the only reason I filed was because I'm infested with AI and the government's trying to destroy families. So naturally, <laughs> oh my God. well, incidentally, that really Nothing helped. A little the one, so. <laughs> Nothing yeah. helps settle in court faster than your wife saying that in front of a judge. Yeah. Yeah. Friend of the court didn't go too bad for me. Uh, nothing went, you know, I, you know, in fact, you know, like the older three stepkids all elected to stay with me. So I am. I'm now a single dad of four. That's so. wild. And they Dang. don't want their mom's like mental decline. Do they stay in touch with? If if you you don't have to talk about this if that's not the direction you want no. to go in. But do your do your kids stay in touch with uh with their mom? Is there still a yeah. presence? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she doesn't live far away. Um, you know, in fact, she picked my daughter up and took her to the park and stuff today. But you okay. know, I mean, I I'm pretty, you know they're not spending the night. They're not, you know, none of that stuff. And no smoothies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly not, you know? Yeah. Oh I mean, my God. there's more details that I could give, but I think I'm, I'll, I'll not, but you know, um, that's a man. You've had such a, uh, wild journey, uh, when it comes to relationships. And I mean, this is, <laughs> I don't it culminates to something wild. That I was not expecting things. To, I've never heard of this. Is all a lot of new information for you. I'm honestly, oh, you gotta look I'm it up, processing this right now. I'm like, holy shit! The best thing to do is go to like TikTok and stuff. Oh Christ! Go, I don't want to fuck up my algorithms that bad. Go to Casey TikTok or Rumble and start looking it up. <laughs> Rumble. Rumble. That's where the guys in their basements that have like special knowledge from Secret Service and stuff like that. You know, there's there's always some guy in his basement that like happens to know like a a scientist at nasa who yeah. tells him all this stuff you know i love that line and, someone it's like it's always someone who knows someone who was higher up and they they left because they saw what was really going on and you're like and they always like well i have to call him mr x because i can't 
I can't say his name. So Mr. X says that, you know, AI is being implanted and, you know, the government takeover will be in, you know, June of 2022. And then you're like, okay, well, it's June of 20 or it's July of 2022. Nothing happened. Like, well, there was a, a delay because of we were we were spreading so much truth that they had to rethink their plan. And, you know, I mean, it's just like I love the confirmation. Christ was actually coming back in, you know, 2220 not 2022 right right right. it turns out christ was coming back the day that we guessed but because no one could know the day or the hour he actually had to change it because we guessed right (laughs) but we're still gonna keep guessing right gonna go for it every time we're gonna get it right (laughs) i would love to hear somebody make that that's a great time it doesn't happen it's because we actually got it right and christ has to be like no 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 you heard what I said. <laughs> oh, not coming back now. I had my bags back, but now I'm not. <laughs> oh my I, god! The conspiracy theory stuff is wild because it's self-confirming. I, it's insane. I feel like it's such a, it's so broad because I go down some rabbit holes. I th- I believe things. I believe some things that I think people a lot of people would say are conspiracy theories. It can be fun. It can be entertaining or it can even be true sometimes. But, but there's like there's something I think it's actually not a bad explanation, which you said about like seeking out heavier and heavier music, because it's part like <clears throat> with music and with conspiracy theories, like it's not just like the music. Like you can be really into the music. Some people I don't think even really are that into the music, but like there's a community and an identity that comes with the music, you know, you feel like you're someone in. Yeah. And I, and conspiracy theories are the same way. And like, you know, whereas in the music scene, you, you did that at shows and meeting people there and, you know, wearing merch out and stuff like that. Like with conspiracy theories, it's all taking place online for the most part. And so people get people that just have nothing that you know in a in not in a making fun of them way but in like kind of a sad way like people who just have nothing they just have nothing going on on. nothing to look forward to they don't feel like they have a place in anything important that there's just no significance to their life whatsoever so why not have a place in the most important thing the battle for our lives and freedom and you know yeah yeah you're one of the small percentage that knows the truth and that's doing something about it like you're a hero they'll write books about people like you someday you can see why you can so coincide with religion too or christianity because that's what the you know the more hyper conservative bent of christianity is like we're the small amount of people we're the ones who are on the straight and narrow and it's our job to tell other people that this is true and convert them it goes hand in hand with that kind of thinking not even to denigrate religion and to say that it's entirely false so that you can't have a meaningful religious life but there it you can see why there's some overlap if you're the kind of person who gets heavy into like that type of thinking uh, and that's the majority of your reasoning behind what you do, whether you know it or not. Like, there's a heavy overlap for that reason. I'm part of this fringe group that knows the truth, and despite what all the major institutions say about evolution, or worldwide floods, or Magellan's disease, or chemtrails, it all it, it can work together to to entrench you deeper into that. 
and right. that's that's where it all goes wrong i think because there's there's a lot of things that are touted as conspiracy theories or that started out as conspiracy theories that i think are true there's a lot of truth to them where people go wrong with it is everybody is looking for this like macro explanation this macro way of explaining everything around because we all like are looking for this you know the code underneath everything all the chaos that we see around us that's where conspiracy theories go wrong it's I'm not gonna that there's the yeah. yeah it's not that there's no pedophiles in the government there's for sure <laughs> there's for sure <laughs> for sure <laughs> pedophiles in the government i don't think it's a litmus test for you to get elected as your local mayor like right right I don't think like it's controlling the entire world economy or anything like that. It's a factor there. I mean, there's people that are into those things and they meet each other and there's community in that group. But like to act like everyone who's ever held office is some sort of pedophile that had to sacrifice a child in order to take office like is insane. It's, oh, it's dude, she showed me this, she, some of the shit, man. We, we always, you know, it kind of became a habit. Like after the kids went to bed, you'd go outside and, you know, we kind of watched something on our phone or whatever, you know, and I got so sick of hearing like, like just some doctor, like, you know, just, just like monotone for like an hour. Like this is what was entertaining. And she was like to her and she was trying to get me to like buy in so she'd be playing this video that really convinced her that day and it's like a doctor just talking about stuff for like an hour and it's like dude, i i'm dream weavering so bad like i'm ready to <laughs> fall asleep so you know you just you got so sick of that and then there was like one time she was showing me a uh a video of joe biden whipping like a 13 year old girl and it's like, she's like, it's on video. And I'm like, you can tell it's fake. Like, you can see that the face is kind of moving different than the head of whoever's actually doing this. Yeah. It's like, man, there are so many people that don't even know that if you have, like, a basic understanding of any kind of video editing, you can do that pretty easy. And so, but, like, people are like, you can't fake a video like that. It's like... Yeah, so you easily can, you know, especially now. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Yeah, that's a what a weird segment of culture that's become. Oh, um, man. Before we break up, I have to ask you because uh, I was texting our mutual friends today, and uh, I'm supposed to ask you about putting oil into a running car. Fucking Davis. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, like for like the longest time, like I, I know about cars, but I didn't know how to like, I didn't know anything about like fixing them or changing oil or anything. like I used to take it over to Davis, take my car to Davis's to have him change the oil, you know? And like Nicole had this little Honda Accord that burned oil. And I don't know, I went into a store in Fenton one time, bought oil, walked out, it was still running. And I didn't realize that you can't open the oil cap on a running vehicle. So I did that and I got like, heavily sprayed with like really hot oil so like, <laughs> i kind of thought davis davis and ian were maybe gonna piss themselves laughing so yeah. so that's i surprised you didn't bring up sasquatch oh yeah there's an ongoing uh 
there's an ongoing theory that Mike was molested by a Sasquatch, and that's why he uh, believes in them. No. And it's almost it's true. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> I do think I was screamed at by one, but I was not molested by one. Sure. Your secret's safe with me. <laughs> that came up on like, oh, man. I can't remember how that went, but yeah, somehow I ended up being molested by a Sasquatch, so... <laughs> well dude i'm glad we finally got to do this i've been bugging you about it yeah. for a while but you were in the throes of some some stuff personally <laughs> yeah there's really, no. there a few things going on <laughs> you were trying to cover your drink you were dodging <laughs> out of it you couldn't be bothered to podcast at the time right? so <laughs> dodging borax bullets yeah <laughs> Dude, it was but, nice meeting you mike this is a really, oh yeah this sam, is fun, man. Same, thanks so much likewise man yeah this was a lot of fun sometime yeah. I'll, I'll come back on and we'll talk about sasquatch for two hours <laughs> there we go there that, that'll be good but uh yeah man thanks for coming thanks everybody for listening uh if you enjoy the show leave us a rating wherever you listen to it and don't forget that we got a great discord server and you can find a link to that on our Instagram profile in the link tree. So join up, come say hi to us there, and we will see you next time.